0: is happening everybody and we're back thanks for tuning in to the crash bang boom podcast today's guest is drummer captain moran of oklahoma's own chat pile we had a fun talk filled with some curveballs laughs and generally ridiculous stories we also talk about the origins of the name early show mishaps their most recent record god's country and it's larger than expected reception as well as why he loves a particular jam band that might surprise you be on the lookout for chat Powell on tour starting September 12th in Nashville. Additional dates can be found at the link in the description of this episode. Today's episode is sponsored by OneUpLoops.com. Carson Gann and his team spend an incredible amount of time recording over 400,000 shaker, tambourine, and hi-hat loops at every possible tempo in multiple fields with incredible mics and outboard gear for you to pick and choose. It's organized for you to find exactly what you need with just a few clicks and everything feels and sounds incredible. You can sign up for free to check it out and gain full access to all 400,000 loops starting at just $5.99 a month. No download limits. Whatever you want, whenever you want. New Loops one-shots and drum breaks are being added weekly. Definitely a great addition to the arsenal for any drummer and or producer. And I can say that for myself having used it. It's pretty incredible. So check it out, and that's one Crash Baby Boom Podcast can be found on iTunes Podcast, Spotify, Central Luminary, Google Play, Podbean, and Amazon Music podcast, the name of you free to check out any of the previous 260 plus episodes and give me a like, a subscription and or a positive review as it would be appreciated. So without further ado, here we go. Captain Ron, chat pile, crash, bang, boom. All right, I'm here with Captain Ron of chat pile. Captain Ron, what's going on, my dude? Oh, not too much. Just getting off work. What do you What do you do during the day, man? What's your day gig?
1: So I work for a place called Keeley Electronics. I do uh, the coding for guitar effects pedals. No yeah. way. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's like the coolest coding job I think I've ever heard of. That's if you're going to do it, that's actually seems pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty great gig. Feel very fortunate to to work there been there for about 15 years now. So.
0: Wow. Did you go to school for like computer engineering or what did you what's your background there?
1: No, not at all. So, <laughs> I, I started to go to school for just like music, like audio engineering. Sure. Um, and I I went for a few years and just got tired of you know, being in school. Yeah. <laughs> Especially coming coming out of high school, you know, and you have to take like all the same classes again, basically for, you know, all your freshman stuff and all that. Oh yeah. So, so I just kind of dropped out of college and started, started working there. A friend of mine uh, worked up there and he called me one day and said that, uh, you know, there's an opening. And so I just started just as on production, you know, just building pedals and, uh, wow. So at the time we were doing everything like all by hand, like hand wiring everything. Yeah. And so I just kind of worked my way up, like started from from building onto the service department, and then uh, once I kind of got more familiar with the circuits and stuff and how they worked, I just kind of became more interested in in that sort of thing, like how how the effects actually are made and stuff. Totally. So he actually just my boss Robert Keeley. He uh, just came in one day and he was just like, "Hey, do you want to help me code this pedal?" There's like this little development board that he got. It's basically like an all-in-one sort of sort of IC chip. It mm-hmm. has you know basic memory and basic limited amount of code and instruction set. And so we just kind of you know built like a simple delay pedal on that and from there he just like kind of pushed it off on me. He's like I don't want to do this shit anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I just kind of like started figuring it out and it took me about 2 years or so to get kind of familiar and comfortable with that and then wow. worked worked my way up into to working on you know better processors and stuff now so
0: That's funny. When you said coding, I was like, coding goes into pedals. I'm just thinking circuits and wires and something hits something else. And that's just like my simpleton answer of how when you click on this pedal and whatever instrument you're running through it, that's just kind of how magically it works. That was just my simpleton understanding of it. (laughs) Pretty much these days, most like
1: anything time based, like delays or reverbs, uh, even like a lot of modulation is definitely going to be like digital uh for the most part right analog stuff with the exception of drives and distortions um pretty much all all digital now wow so
0: Damn, I did not expect you to say that. That took me on a whole whole trip there that I was not expecting. That's awesome, though, man. Uh, well, dude, congrats on God's Country. Uh, I've got some interesting questions and stories about Oklahoma and Oklahoma. Uh, you know, just that state in general. I'm kind of fascinated by it. But uh, I guess tell me a little bit about uh, God's Country and. It seems as though there's been a good bit of buzz uh, about it since since y'all put it out. I wasn't necessarily aware of the band prior to that being put out. But y'all were certainly on my radar after the fact, and then I had friends like texting me that might have been fans of maybe sort of more of the Swans, uh, Godflesh sort of '90s big black kind of style stuff. Where you know if we all sort of share those interests, I get text messages from buddies, hey, have you seen this? And I got it quite a few times from friends mentioning your band. So I was like, all right, there's something there. There's something going on. I'm 47. Most of my friends are my age or older, so you know I think uh, there's that '90s nostalgia that we all share for sure. yeah
1: yeah definitely
0: (laughs) uh well i guess tell me about uh sort of writing and or recording the record what was the process of writing it and then come time to record it where did y'all go did you record it in oklahoma uh yeah so we we
1: recorded everything ourselves uh just in our practice space uh our bass player stin it's actually my brother uh he lives well we all actually live like just a few blocks from each other. Okay. <laughs> so he lives just down the street, and he has like a like a little detached apartment in his and at his house. And that's where we practice. It's and we just recorded there too. So it's pretty simple for the most part.
0: Yeah. <laughs> who who mixed it? Stin did. Really? Also. So it's all in yeah. in-house production.
1: Yeah. 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 It's all because he did uh he did the first two releases This Dungeon Earth and Remove Your Skin please right uh, <laughs> and yeah, I just kind of like started learning you know from from doing those and and just kind of like got a few more mics and more inputs and stuff uh on the interface and and yeah just kind of learned as we went along it's so, uh,
0: you said and you said that's your brother yeah so what's what's up with the both of you just learning on the job? What's going on here? Y'all just adaptable, <laughs> malleable, like impressive fucking brothers over here. This is wild.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess it's uh, something, you know, genes or
0: something. But
1: What did your parents do? Uh, my dad's an electrical engineer.
0: Okay, there you go. I was going to say, was, was one of your parents possibly your father an engineer of some kind? There it is. Okay, there's a genetic predisposition. God damn it. Yeah, so that's
1: actually where I learned how to solder, you know, from him. Aha, there so, we go. Tell me how to build
0: cables and stuff like that early on. Wow. And <laughs> did was your brother into it as well when, when he was young? Y'all were both like just like soldering and doing electrical experiments in the house? Uh not him so much. <laughs> but
1: yeah, he was he was definitely more into like writing and and playing and stuff like that. So
0: gotcha. That's really interesting, man. Did he have uh, your brother, that is, uh, uh, an early interest in recording music? Like when y'all were young, were y'all in other bands and he was doing, be it four-track recordings or whatever? Or did it start more so with Chat Pal? Early on, like whenever we kind of started learning how to play
1: music, my dad had this four-track tape recorder that he kind of showed us how to use and we just tried you know recording you know (laughs) Green Day and Nirvana covers and stuff yeah Uh, (laughs) and and so you know we, we kind of learned a little bit doing that and just kind of you know messing around with with little projects and stuff but nothing you know serious or anything like that right just kind of just to just out of necessity, you know, because we we lived out in the middle of nowhere. It's like thirty miles from the the next biggest town. Really? <laughs> our, yeah, our school only had like two hundred kids,
0: kindergarten through twelfth grade. Wow, two hundred for kindergarten <laughs> yeah. through twelfth. I thought you were going to say high school. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little town called Asher.
1: Okay. <laughs> in between Shawnee and Ada, I don't, probably have no idea where that's at, but. It's like southeast Oklahoma City, about an hour outside of Oklahoma City.
0: Okay. What led to the formation of Chat Pile? Then yeah. <laughs> way later, Stin
1: and and Luther Luther Manhold, the guitar player, mm-hmm. they were friends and they were hanging out and uh, they just started jamming. And I I guess at the time they were just kind of playing to some backing tracks like. Uh, just like drum machine sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And once they felt like they kind of had, you know, something maybe going, you know, once they clicked, they decided to to give me a call and, and see how I would fit in and seemed to to work out pretty well for the first practice. So
0: Nice. It's funny that you mentioned the drum machine thing because in listening through the records, just throughout all of them, sometimes I'm not certain... If it's super compressed, sort of dry industrial sound and drums that were recorded live, or if it's a drum machine. So it makes sense to me that both in your sort of approach with writing it and the sound that you ultimately have within the band there is that correlation to that sort of, again, sort of dry, kind of punchy. Is it a sample? Is it a drum machine? Is it live drums? So that makes sense. Yeah, the way we record is I have
1: an electronic Roland kit. uh, And so we track everything live, but we're using MIDI to to trigger uh, just some basic samples that... (laughs) That we've been using
0: <laughs> interesting so live do you because i haven't even i haven't seen you all live. are you playing an electronic kit live as well so i've tried doing the electronic kit live and it just has
1: failed miserably uh, really I just yeah i, I it always miss triggers and you know right just like vibrations from you know the stage just uh you know from the amps and everything right it's like causes it to go crazy and. Oh no! And yeah, so <laughs> and then and then you're also at the mercy of the sound, you know, front of house guy. Who, Correct. You know, depending on who you get that night and. Right. You
0: know,
1: you know, they might do you dirty and. Yeah. So, we learned early on to just stick with the acoustic stuff live and. Hell yeah! And record
0: with the the electronic kit. Interesting. I mean that makes sense. You all play with a pretty good bit of stage volume. It's certainly sound that that's how it sounds on the recording. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: An amp can be turned up, but it of course has a certain sound when it's particularly sort of aggressive and, you know, the feedback and everything sort of mixed in with it. You get that from fucking volume, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I love it. That, that's funny that you mentioned disastrous. Is there any particular disastrous gig? It's a question that I always ask because it always rears hilarious <laughs> fucking answers. Uh, but I, I, it's it's cra- kind of cracking me up, uh, almost Spinal Tap-esque that you've got this loud band and then an electronic kit that's being triggered from all of the fucking noise everywhere. Uh, that's hilarious, actually. <laughs>
1: I love that. Uh, it was like the first or second <laughs> show or something we had uh it was bit, pretty much that you know like brought the electronic kit and you know front of house guy had like the volume turned way down and of course the guys are just like you know fucking loud as can be <laughs> yeah. and that's just like triggering you know my drums and on top of that like the kits of course moving on me and everything and so <laughs> yeah it was a
0: horrible ordeal but but Got through it, you know, oh. learned the lesson. <laughs> right. Yeah, man, the old dependable acoustic drum, wood, yeah. heads, sticks, cymbals, uh, throw yeah. up some mics. <laughs> Holy moly, man. Is there a scene in Oklahoma City or like, I mean, y'all seem like such an anomaly. I don't know that if I heard y'all, I would be like, oh yeah, this band's from Oklahoma City. Like I don't, I don't, it's, there's no correlation to like any particular scene necessarily there, but I- is there? Uh I mean, There's a small scene, like there's
1: pretty much just like small groups of different scenes around here with, you know, all the musicians kind of mixing and interchanging and stuff. and Gotcha. So you tend to run into the same people and, you know, you have like kind of your indie sort of crowd and then you just, you know, your hardcore sort of kids and, and yeah we we found it kind of difficult to play around here because we really don't fit into you know a lot of what's happening around right. here so so yeah we <laughs> tend to find more success outside of oklahoma but <laughs>
0: That's wild, man Yeah, I uh, my I, I drove through Oklahoma once My grandmother had died And my mother inherited her car And this is in Louisiana And then she lived in Colorado So I was like, fly down from Colorado I'll ride with you Which is already kind of a terrible idea That I would want to spend so many hours With my mother in a car But of course the AC died And it was in the summer And we drove across Texas Up Texas And hit that sort of uh, Northwest panhandle of Oklahoma yeah. And I gotta say that's one of the most depressing areas and i've been through almost uh, i mean with the exception of maybe five or six states pretty much everywhere in the united states and there's there was something especially desolate and sad it was like tumbleweeds dust and like <laughs> defunct gas stations i was like what is going on out here where the fuck am i <laughs> no man's land <laughs> what is going on out there why yeah, there's nothing there man
1: yeah that's where the dust bowl took place so fuck like, it's still just you know, in ruins from that, you know, top of economy that's based on oil that, of course, booms and busts. and Right. So, so, yeah, a lot of these towns just, you know, wither away.
0: Oh, my God, man. And then I got another, like, wild story about Oklahoma. I I have a couple of friends who uh, both are are crazy that are from that state. And I was working at NBC repurposing this docuseries called Lockup. So they would go in and interview prisoners from all shades uh, throughout prisons all throughout the United States. And hands down, like, the most fucked up characters were always in the Oklahoma prisons. Like, the craziest drug stories, the, like, most fucked up teeth, like... It. it I, I was always just like, what? And, and again, my perspective was going through that panhandle. I was like, I didn't even see anyone here. I don't know where these people are. <laughs> and then the people that I did see are like prisoners. And there was this one guy who had 666 tattooed across his head and had like Satan tattooed beneath his eye and all these weird tattoos he, uh, of course he was like the son of a of like a baptist minister or a preacher or something like that so that was his way of rebelling i feel like he went a little hard in the paint in his rebellion with that <laughs> but the, they're sitting down and that's the thing they would interview him and uh the interviewer is uh she's like did you feel like you could find like a fellow satanist like girlfriend in oklahoma and he was like i'd you know I thought about it but honestly you know I didn't really want to get my feelings hurt and I was like this guy has 666 tattooed on his face and he's like the most sensitive Satanist on the face of the planet you know missing teeth from some sort of a meth binge and he was worried about his feelings getting hurt and that actually touched my heart I was like I'm glad to know that there's sensitive Satanists out there yeah
1: yeah you know (laughs) That's one thing you can say about Oklahomans is, you know, they are all nice,
0: and friendly. So <laughs> Even the crazy ones. Holy moly. Do you feel like you, if you grew up there, did you have a sense? Well, I mean, I guess let's backtrack. If you went to a school from kindergarten to 12th grade of 200 people, like what did you do growing up other than soldering cables and like, and doing that stuff? Like what else happens in such a small town like that?
1: I mean, that's where music came in for us right but i mean outside of that is basically just you know driving around backcountry roads and just exploring like property and stuff like that yeah finding junk pits and breaking bottles and old <laughs> tvs or whatever
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing what's what's some of the music you were into when you were really young that was like a the the escape from uh, the bizarre scenario in which you live from, you know, from my perspective, <laughs> maybe it wasn't that bizarre to you at the time.
1: <laughs> uh, well, that's definitely where the, you know, where corn came in. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> the picture. Interesting. It, se- it seemed to to ring, you know, kind of true. Yeah. Uh, but um, I mean, I was real big into oh, both real big into Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins or or a huge influence for sure uh, for me yeah just stuff like that you know
0: early 90s the, the grunge the all early that 90s stuff
1: grunge yeah Soundgarden, oh yeah matt, matt cameron hell yeah dude one of the best ever <laughs> yeah totally. Fuck yeah
0: that is awesome man i'm like imagining you like rocking out to Soundgarden, driving around like smashing tvs in some in some trash pit (laughs) out in like rural or no man's land, Oklahoma. It's quite a, quite a vision that I'm having of of your, your early life here. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. Who came up with the, uh, with the chat pile, uh, logo, the kind of black metal esque logo. Some guy on the internet, (laughs) some guy on the
1: internet, he (laughs) submitted
0: and you're like, that's cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, I think Luther manhole just found some website or something like that. The, just like some Russian guy or whatever that just makes metal logos. and I think he just gave him like a few to kind of go off of and he uh, he came back with one that was like pretty cheesy and then like the second one that that he spit out was the one that that you see today. So
0: I'll be damned. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, dude. So, man, I've had no shortage of buddies like read into myself included the name of the band and there's no shortage of strange, you know, perspectives on what it is. But by all means, tell me what the hell it is.
1: (laughs) We're named after uh, like these toxic mounds uh, that are in northeast Oklahoma where they used to do zinc mining uh, or lead mining, I guess, actually. And it's like the the runoff that from all that they made these like mountains essentially of just like toxic lead waste that has completely uh made that whole area just like a it's actually like a super fun site so there's like no one there's maybe like six people that still live in the town but of course insane you know (laughs)
0: like my buddy one of my buddies that texted me i was like what do you think the name of the band like what's that reference he's like 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 a a chat pile like a pile of shit and i was like oh is that it like okay i didn't i wasn't sure if that was it or if it was it was a reference to like chat forums like piles of bodies in a chat forum or something like it's hilarious everyone's thinking all this other shit and it's not even what it is yeah (laughs) Oh my God, dude. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, so is, are they called chat piles? Is that what it's called though?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're called.
0: Fucking A. (laughs) So bizarre. Well, you mentioned, I mean, like doing like Nirvana covers with your brother. Do you remember how old you were when you got your first kit? Uh, I was about 13. Okay. So what year, what year are we talking then? Um, got to do some math here. Come on. You can code. You can, you can, you can do this buddy
1: probably like 96 okay 90,
0: uh, maybe a little earlier than that 95 something yeah like that. i graduated high school in 95 so i would have been 18 because i failed a grade uh so that yeah 95 so yeah that checks out
1: yeah it was uh it was just a old slingerland kit you know in, in the classifieds you know and in those days, you, know?
0: <laughs> of course, that's how you would get kits, yeah, the fucking newspaper, uh yeah, it was probably like a hundred bucks
1: or something like that, damn, and, you know, it was pretty junky, but it, it did the job, you know, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing on them, for yeah. for the longest time, uh, just you know of course banging on and making noise or whatever, and then one day, I was just like, all right, you know, I've gotta like figure this out, right, and so I just listened to. Smells like Teen Spirit, just like kind of like tracked it out and then had the revelation that oh you keep time with with the hi hat and then you, <laughs> there know, you
0: go. keep the beat. <laughs> so, right. So yeah. Damn, man. You know, it's funny. As many drummers as I've talked to, uh, Dave Grohl is definitely like, I think, you know, Ringo Starr was a massive influence to people of a certain generation. Uh, And there's been, uh, you know, obviously others, you know, connecting Ringo all the way up to Dave Grohl. But certainly for anyone that was alive and playing drums in the 90s, it seems as though Dave Grohl was an inevitable influence for pretty much everyone. Yeah, totally.
1: I mean, even down to like, kit set up and all that you know <laughs>
0: did you set your hi-hat way the fuck up in the air like he did oh you know it. <laughs> you did? it's oh, so crazy. you just yeah. chewing through sticks you're like why am i chewing through sticks you're just batting the side of a hi-hat like up above your head <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> of course
1: back then living out in the middle of nowhere i would just like tape the hell out of the stick just to try to keep it you know going as long as i could totally right but- So there'd be like two inches of
0: tape, you know, wrapped around the thing just to, just to keep it alive. Nice. You're like, (laughs) this stick is kind of mushy, but it's still held together by duct tape. That's amazing. (laughs) What did your dad think about y'all making all that racket in the house? So he was, I mean, he was totally supportive of it.
1: uh, I mean, at the time he was working in the city. And so he was pretty much gone by the time, you know, from the time we went to school, came home we would have probably like three or four hours before anyone was home so we would just you know use that time to to jam and we were like set out in the middle of nowhere our closest neighbor was you know like half a mile down the road half the half a mile god damn i thought you were going to be like a few acres (laughs) but (laughs) so so yeah we we were able to you know play as
0: loud as we wanted to and so yeah that's how we that's how we learned our chops that's wild did y'all ever get into any mischievous or 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 behavior that backfired just being around just the two of you with no parental units around no surprisingly we were well-behaved
1: kids that's amazing uh, yeah we we never got into any trouble
0: (laughs) good for you at least not until i got older but (laughs) that's hilarious man uh, well, I was ta- kind of talking to you earlier about it, but, uh, I feel as though, especially between your names, the name of the band, the font for the name of the band, like some of the lyrics and I can never totally tell because I myself have a dark enough sense of humor to where I- I'm never so sure if someone else does, but it seems as though there is some humor within the band. Would you say so?
1: Oh yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all goofy guys and like to have fun. Watch stupid movies and that sort of thing. So, yeah,
0: makes total sense. Are there any like comedic bands or comedians that you dig? I always like the uh, the first Tenacious D record. Hell yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Those dudes are hilarious. <laughs> of, course. of course, Dave Grohl, you know, on drums. Right, and I forgot so. that he played on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good, dude. Also, I'm
1: also a big fish fan and the keyboard player from Fish uh is on that record too. So
0: Really? You're a Fish fan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude, I've I've never seen them live. I've never gotten too much into the jam band thing. I mean, I like like the early set, like I like the Almond brothers. You know, which I would say was a, a sort of predecessor of the whole jam band thing. Yeah. But I never really yeah. got into That's bizarre. I was going to ask you one of my questions I want to ask you is, what is something that you listen to that people wouldn't necessarily think that you listen to given the music you play? But there you go. You just said it. Fish?
1: Yeah. I mean, Fish <laughs> would probably be the answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen them live?
1: Oh, yeah. Really? I've been to probably... Well, over 40 shows. What? Yeah, somewhere around 45, something like that.
0: 40 plus shows? Yeah. (laughs) You're blowing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Man, they're great. Holy shit. I'm assuming you you weren't sober for all 40 plus shows, I imagine.
1: (laughs) Most of them, no. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's hilarious. I've got a buddy of mine. He's a really funny guy. He was, uh, he was like, I'm going to go see fish, so uh, you know, I'm going to take acid and go see fish. And he saw it, and he was like, God, that was terrible. I had a terrible time. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to give him another shot. I'm going to do acid again and go see him for the second time. And then he was like, God damn it. I had another terrible time. So he actually he went and saw him twice on acid both times, had terrible times. It's like one of the only fish stories that I have, but it's a, a, an especially funny one, man. <laughs> I mean, that sounds pretty accurate. Yeah. yeah. For most people. Yeah, that's cr- great. <laughs> I mean, those dudes can all play their asses off. Like, they're yeah, like, yeah. no doubt about it. I mean, John Fishman is,
1: is a fucking machine, you know? Yeah, he's, he is. Yeah, he's, he's great.
0: That is wild. You're t- totally blowing my mind with that. Uh, with, like, more recent shows that y'all have done... Uh, have you seen how maybe God's country has registered uh, with people to where the gigs have changed or the, the crowds have increased or what is your perspective of sort of how it's been received?
1: Uh, I mean, definitely very well. Um, I mean, we're definitely playing to, to bigger crowds and and the people that, that do show up, you know, seem to be singing along and that's wild. you know, you know washing and stuff like that and stage diving and, you know, just seemingly having a very good time, which of course helps, you know, allow us to have <laughs> a very fun time. So. Totally, man.
0: <laughs> Is there any city in particular or a couple of them that when you've played there, you felt as though they received you especially well?
1: Recent one that comes to mind uh be like Manchester. Really? Playing over there was... It was a lot of fun. It was actually like a smaller, smaller venue, but the the crowd was was yeah, just like really into it. And it was really cool to see. <laughs>
0: That's what where well, like where else did y'all play? You did you did you just go to England only, or did y'all do a whole European thing?
1: We did five shows in the UK. Wow. Uh, yeah, we played two in London, a festival, art Tangent in Bristol, uh, and then Manchester and then another festival in Glasgow. Wow. Four
0: Fest. Yeah. Yeah, it was a blast. And Manchester was down and ready to get down with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That did y'all have a sense of that going there or were y'all just like, "Damn, these people are just way into this." The shows sold out, so wow. You know, we kind of expected it a little bit, but not to that extent, I guess. Wow, man. Uh, there, yeah, there, I was listening to it. Like, oh, there's a couple of bands. I don't know if you've listened to either of their records, but the uh, daughter's record, you won't get what you want. Like, have you? Did you get into that? That reminds me. I feel like y'all are in the general like bizarro universe of sort of that. Some of that stuff. Yeah, we get
1: that a lot, but um, none of us really listen to to them. I'm not
0: familiar with them like at all. Actually, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I know of them, but I've never listened to them crazy yeah there's another band called ceremony they have a record called in the spirit world now and there's like one song in particular like just the verse of it i was like this kind of reminds me of ceremony but ceremony also kind of reminds me of devo and like wire and some of those sort of angular like kind of punk rock bands uh but you would probably dig them it's like very 80s kind of inspired throwback stuff with synths and shit okay. that's a yeah. super cool i saw them live uh, not really knowing anything about him and I was like, God damn, this band is amazing. Like I love it. It's just one of those things. <laughs> is there someone in the band in particular that's into like some of the industrial stuff? Like I, I saw I was never too too into it, but I did see Ministry on the 92, I believe Lollapalooza it was. They were played second to last and they they destroyed the whole the whole fucking place it was just out of control they were so good it was like you were you felt as though you were witnessing the baddest band on the face of the planet you know it was like projections and samples and two drummers and stage props and just a bombardment of lights and just you know and then i read al jurgensen's like autobiography and i was like oh yeah he was drinking like had a bottle of bushmills with acid floating in it and like the whole band is fucking going out of like out of their gourds but they held it together and you see the show you're like wow god damn it but uh, was there is there anyone in the band that that's like especially into that industrial element that is maybe present, you know, within chat
1: I wouldn't say like too hardcore, but I used to listen to to some of that stuff back in the day. Like, I mean, especially Night Snails. I mean, I still still love Night Snails. Fuck yeah. So yeah, like a little bit of ministry, uh, some skinny puppy, you know, stuff like that.
0: Well, do y'all have anything going on, like, coming up? Uh, Any uh, shows, tours, releases, anything else that's uh, on the books? Uh,
1: Yeah, we have a couple of tours that we're about to go on, uh, kind of an East Coast run, be like a three-week thing, and then we'll be off for a month and then uh, go out to the West Coast for, like, another three-week thing.
0: Nice. Nice. All right, Ron. Well, man, thanks for, for hanging, dude. It was fun talking to you, uh, you know, uh, telling stories about that crazy state in which you live and, you know, the sort of back history on the band and everything else. It was, uh, it was cool catching up with you, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Captain Ron for catching up. Tour date starts September 12th in Nashville. Get that link in the description. Get up on it and we'll catch you on the flippy floppy crash, bang, boom.